come Holy Spirit. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Open the eyes of our hearts and see through them. Open our lips and speak through them and set our souls on fire. Amen. Good morning. All right, for the one righteous person who is with us today, thank you so much for your goodness that God will shine some sunshine on us. Yeah, he said you're welcome. Yeah, fantastic, beautiful, beautiful. And um, gosh, I don't know, is this going to stay with us for a little while? No. That's the best. Yeah, love your enemies. Oh boy, how easy that is. How easy that is. Last week you heard Jesus talking about this strange thing about blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who rely on God for what they need. Right? That that is the source of their hope and their salvation, their strength and their all. It's relying on God. He continues teaching those who would listen. Okay? I think that's really important to recognize that he wants to speak to everyone, but he recognizes not everybody is going to listen. Especially when the teaching gets really hard. When the teaching gets really hard, when, when he starts challenging us in our understanding of the world, and he's going to turn the world upside down. And turn the world upside down. And he's going to challenge them to think about not how the pagans thought about the world, but how things are going to be in his kingdom. How things are in the kingdom that he's initiating. And how us, as members of that kingdom, are called to live in ways that might not make a lot of sense to us, in ways that might challenge everything we know. And he calls us to listen and to live. Kingdom ethics. Now, is anybody in here without an enemy? Is there, is there nothing a person or an ideology or a group of people or something in your past or, or anything in your remembrance or anything in your broken spirit, anything that is a sin you struggle with, anything you can point to and go, I really don't like that. Worse than that, that is my enemy. That's the thing that is against me. The thing that's against me. Jesus says, those people, that person, that idea, that way of being, that way of life, whatever it is that you say is not your friend, you must love that. You must pray for that. You must turn the other cheek to that. Easy, right? Okay. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Get kicked in the teeth and say, kick me again? Goes against the ways of the world, doesn't it? Strike back. Strike back. Don't be a doormat. It's not what he's teaching. It's not what he's teaching. He's teaching something else. Uh, there was a story, you know, at, at this time of year, some, some years ago, um, in this, this cycle and in the lectionary when this reading came up, at St. Swithin's in the Swamp. <laughs> Right. That famous church, St. Swithin's in the Swamp Episcopal Church, where, where the priest asked, you know, anybody here not have an enemy? And it was, it was wonderful because um, the oldest member of the church who just turned 100 years old raised her hand. 
They go, well, isn't that amazing? Betty, our hundred-year-old, has no enemies. And you know, our, our, call, our call to living as the people of God, yes, we are saved by grace through faith, right? We receive that blessing through what God did for us, and that is our salvation. But it does not end there. We are called to holiness of life, to become holy people. And that is a lifelong process called sanctification. So there was this sanctified woman in this group, the one out of the many, who said, I have no enemies. Well, this is just amazing. Well, well, Betty, why don't you come up front and, and let's 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 talk about this. So, you know, she comes up front, you know, okay, Betty, so um, it's probably through a lot of prayer and forgiveness, right? Isn't, isn't that how, how it is that you have no enemies? He said, nope, that's not at all. I just let outlive those fools. <laughs> That's not what we're called to do, right? Just tolerate and outlive and try to be the last person standing claiming that, yeah, I'm doing what Jesus says. Have no enemies, love them if you do, because we simply outlive them. No, as the people of God, as people who have been anointed and born again through the Holy Spirit, we are called to a higher level of holiness. Always. Always. Wherever you are, God is not done with you yet. And Jesus is calling those who would listen to think about their own lives and where they are in this process of sanctification. Where are you? Do you have enemies? Do you have people you'd rather avoid because you don't like who they are, what they represent, how they live, how they think? Blessed are you if you are like that. I am not, and perhaps many of you are like me, listening to these words of Jesus and going, this is really, really hard. This is really hard. He's asking me to do something that I'm not sure I can do. The story of a monk that was sitting on the side of a river and was watching the water rise, probably conditions like we've experienced recently, all the creeks kind of getting up the creek banks and overflowing. And, and this monk's kind of sitting there and he notices down the, down the side of the bank as this water is rising, he sees something moving in the, um, the roots under this tree where it had been washed out. It's a scorpion. The scorpion under, underneath these roots, and he's, he's watching the water rise and he starts thinking, oh no, this. The scorpion's gonna drown. Scorpion's gonna be washed away and, 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 and die. I have to do something. Poor scorpion. Sounds pleasant, right? <laughs> so he, he, he slides down the bank and he starts trying to get the scorpion out from underneath these these roots where it's sort of tangled and trapped in there and the water's rising and, and he's trying, and, and as he's doing that, that scorpion's trying to sting him, right? And he's like, you know, try, trying to get it out without being stung and, and somebody comes by and looks at this whole thing and goes, what are you doing? Don't you realize that it's in the nature of that scorpion to sting? 
And the monk said, yeah, but it's in my nature to save. And even if the scorpion can't change its nature, that's no reason for me to change mine. That is the kind of holiness that Jesus calls us to. It's not about the other person and that person changing who they are and them repenting and becoming worthy of our love. We love because we love. We love because that is job, God's job description. We love because that is the spirit that's in us. And yet we are human. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do. You know, we talk an awful lot about how the church is in decline. All over the place. It's not just the Episcopal Church. All mainline Protestant denominations. Attendance is in decline. The Roman Catholic Church is happening in the conservative evangelical church that's happening. It's in decline everywhere in the Western world. Everywhere. Well, if you look at the early church, right, what's, what's happening there? The church was, was growing. It was doing quite well. So, um, everybody remember Sherman and Peabody? <laughs> okay. You get the Wayback Machine? Okay. We're going to take a trip with Sermon and Peabody back to the year 251 AD. Just a couple years ago. Are you there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the Wayback Machine, 251 AD. Plague. Okay, an outbreak of plague in the empire. Plague was a horrifying thing. We didn't have germ theory. We didn't know where it was coming from. We didn't know what caused it. And people were terrified. They didn't know what to do. See, a hundred years before this, plague had come through and it killed about one-third of the population of the empire. Imagine that kind of devastation. Something coming through our community where one-third of the population is going to die. You don't know what's causing it. You don't know how to stop it. You just know when it's around you want to get away from it. When this plague is coming through in 251, given their experience 100 years earlier, people were terrified. And so they would go, the, the pagans would go to their pagan temples, hoping that the priests, the pagan priests, might do something to help them, to save them from this thing, whatever this thing is. But the temples were empty because the priests ran away. You see, if you were a person of means or education and you could get out of the city, you left. The wealthy people fled. Left the common people behind, the poor people behind, and those are the ones who are affected mostly by the plague. The plagues typically concentrate their effect in urban areas. Yeah, but go and appeal to your gods. And there was no help coming. And if somebody got sick in a household, they would cast that person out. And so the streets became full of sick and dying and dead people. And people were locking out their friends and family members for fear of this disease. What an awful, awful situation. Yet there was one group of people who did something that didn't make sense. They reached out to the sick. Both their family and their friends 
and their neighbors and strangers. Believers and unbelievers alike, it didn't matter. The Christians. Now this didn't make sense in the pagan world because in the pagan world everything was based on reciprocity. If somebody were to do something for you, it's because they owed you something. They believed in this real strong sense of justice and, and, and righteousness where everything had to be balanced. You got what you deserved. And if you're just a poor, suffering, sick person with no ability to call in a favor, you got nothing. But the Christians didn't play that way. The Christians were moved by mercy. By mercy. And so they risked their own lives, taking in strangers and pagans and the poor and anyone else who had been cast out by their families. They welcomed them into their own homes, risking their own lives. And people who have studied the effect of that estimate that they reduced the mortality rate by at least one-third. Because they brought people in and they bathed them and they fed them and they prayed with them and they laid hands on them and they anointed them and they loved them and they encouraged them and they did all the things that God says we should do for each other. It made a difference. It made a difference. And you know what? The pagans recognized that too. They recognized the difference. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, quotes one of the pagan leaders as saying, in reference to the Christians, see how they love one another. It was an embarrassment to the pagans that we didn't live their way of life. Henry Chadwick, one of the great historians of the church, argues that in that early church where there was an explosion of the church, where the church just grew by astronomical numbers. He said perhaps the most important thing that the church did at that time to cause this astronomical growth was this love that they shared. See how they love one another. For anyone who's concerned about the state of the church, remember that. Remember that. If the church is struggling, if people aren't buying what we're selling, what is it we're selling? Is it mercy? Is it love? Is it acceptance? Is it healing? Is it welcome? Or is it judgment? Or is it judgment? Yeah, we're hypocrites, all right. We all admit that. Every one of us. And we welcome all those who are hypocrites to join us in that ministry of welcoming others in God's name. So, easy. Okay? Easy thing to do now. Risk your life. Risk your life. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for them. Pray for them. There was a professor in a management class who gave an assignment to his students. He said, I want you to go out and interview successful men and women. And I want you to ask them one thing. One thing. What is their best recommendation for unleashing somebody's potential to do great things. What is your one best recommendation? If somebody follows this, they will be 
reach their highest potential. Sounds like a good thing to know, right? You're going after really successful people, asking them, you know, given your life and your experience, what do you think is the one best thing that people should do if they're going to fully realize their potential? One of the students came back having interviewed the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. That's pretty impressive, I think. Somebody leading a major corporation like that probably has some wisdom about how to achieve maximum potential. That CEO said to this student, okay, if you want to unleash in you something that you could never dream that you could otherwise reach, love your enemies. Really? The head of a corporation advises a student if they want to reach their maximum potential, love your enemies. If you do that, if you strive to do that, you will unleash in you an ability to forgive and to accept and to love beyond anything you could possibly imagine. But you do it by loving your enemies. So here's your homework for the week. Because we're going to love our enemies. We're going to do exactly what Jesus calls us to do. So you have a prayer book in front of you on the Q rack. Would you turn to page 816? Page 816. Now, page 816, you'll find prayer number six. A prayer for our enemies. And you probably want to do a little bit of kind of thinking and pondering, a little bit of meditating and prayer perhaps to help you identify who it is or what it is that you want to insert. Is it the crazy liberals who bother you? <coughs> is it the Black Lives Matter movement? Is it the conservative evangelical church that bothers you? Is it your neighbor with the Obama or the Trump sticker that bothers you? Is it something that happened to you in the past that is still haunting you? The kid that bullied you in school or the person who cheated on you in some romance that you still remember and that still hurts you? Who is that? So what I ask you to do is to spend some time with this prayer. Oh God, the Father of all, who do you want to make sure that you put in there? Abortion providers? Brett Kavanaugh? Get real about this. Thugs and murderers. People who have done horrible things and threatened your lives. Who do you want to put in there? Because there is one God. And that one God is Father of us all. Even the ones who act like scorpions. Whose son commanded. Commanded us to love our enemies. 
commands me this day to love that person. To love that person. Whether I feel like it or not. Lead them and us. Them and us. We're in this together. From prejudice to truth. The truth of God's love. Deliver them, whoever that is, whatever that is, that is not your friend. And us from hatred, cruelty, and revenge. And in your good time, in your good time, because this can take time. This can take time. You have to rest your lives to work on this. God's not done with us when we die. That's why we pray for the dead. And in your good time, enable us all, all of us, every one of us, the holy and the unholy, to stand reconciled before you. And of course, we pray this. Love and power.